0: Good morning. I thought maybe I would need to do a parting of the waters here to be able to stand after that drenching of the baptism. Uh, many of you may not know me. Uh, my name is John Harvison. I'm a teaching elder uh, in the PCA and member of the Blue Ridge Presbytery uh, and an attender of this church. Um, my ministry uh, in the PCA uh, is called Out of Bounds." It doesn't mean I did something wrong, so they pushed me out. Um, But but it means that I'm kind of on loan to another ministry that's outside of the PCA. And I work right up on Forest Road here at an organization called TRACS, which is the Transnational Association of Christian Colleges and Schools. Uh, And we're an accrediting agency. Uh, and so we uh, accredit uh, Bible colleges and uh, Christian universities and colleges and seminaries. Uh, that enables them to kind of get at the seal of approval uh, that they're doing the things that they're saying that they're doing. Uh, but it also gives them the opportunity to access federal funding uh, by having uh, that approval. Uh, we have about 90 schools uh, around the country that we serve. Uh, and um, are, are pushing closer to a hundred so we just we needed to hire a new person uh, in order to handle all of those schools. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning in terms of the reading of scripture uh, and I know that we're all Presbyterians so our favorite word is probably predestination uh, but There is another couple of words that you see all the time in the PCA, uh, and that is that we do things decently and in order. And so the order is going to be mixed up uh, a little bit today, uh, but there is an order to what we're doing, uh, and you'll see why. So I'm going to start by praying. Uh, You can stand if you're able and then I'll explain to you exactly what we'll be doing. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful today uh, to be able to come and to gather together uh, to bring you the worship and the praise that you so wonderfully deserve. We thank you this morning that you are a self-revealing God and that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. Uh, But, Lord, we're a a weak and a sinful people, uh, and so we need your help. So would you, by your grace, grant us your Holy Spirit today? Would you illumine our minds? Would you open our hearts uh, that we might understand and respond uh, to what you have to offer to us today from your word? In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. As as you look at the passage for today, Luke 23 verses 1 to 25, uh, it it comes to us in kind of a three-act play. Uh, First you have uh, Jesus appearing before Pilate for the first time, uh, then he appears before Herod, uh, and then he appears before Pilate as a second time, so there's sort of an act one, act two, act three uh, kind of setup. Um, and what I'm going to do in terms of the scripture is I'm going to divide it up into three readings that uh, relate to each of those uh, three sections that we're going to be looking at. So because of that, so that not everyone is jumping up and down uh, every time that, that we go back to the scripture, uh, I would invite you to stay seated uh, even as the scripture is read the Lord knows whether or not you're standing in your heart and giving proper respect to the Word of God uh, and so that's the way that we're going to go but we before we get into that we need to backpedal a little bit uh, to the sermon uh, that pastor Brian preached last week uh, if you remember Uh, Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin, the the religious council and leaders, uh, to be questioned and to be tried. And at the end of that trial, uh, he was uh, accused of being guilty of blasphemy. However, the religious leaders were looking for a way to put him to death, um, to be executed, but they knew that the civil government would not take seriously the charge of blasphemy. And so sometime between the end of that meeting uh, that Jesus had with them uh, and the time that they came before Pilate, uh, they must have met in order to try to devise uh, some charges that would be held and hold water uh, for the civil government. Um, and so that's kind of where we are uh, as, as we get into uh, chapter 23, uh, that, that they're coming to the civil court. Uh, they have come up with new charges, not blasphemy, the one that they actually uh, had had charge over, uh, but um, some new charges. And so looking at the text, Jesus before Pilate, Uh, Verses 1 to 5. Okay, beginning in verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. Now, you're familiar with Pontius Pilate, uh, if you uh, are a regular churchgoer, uh, and maybe if you're not, you're, you still have heard of him. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about him, not a great deal, uh, but he kind of lives in infamy uh, in, through the Apostles' Creed, uh, which says uh, that that Jesus suffered under Punch, Pi, Pontius Pilate, and the Nicene Creed, which says that that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Uh, And so we're at least familiar with the name from that. Uh, And often churches use the Apostles' Creed or uh, the Nicene Creed uh, as a confession of faith. And we've done that here uh, at Mercy. Uh, We do know that um, he was the governor Uh, of the uh, Roman province of Judea from about 26 AD to 36 AD uh, and here he's presiding uh, over the trial of Christ. Notice first of all that that right away Pilate's initial reaction is uh, that Jesus was not guilty uh, of the things uh, that, that they were bringing before him, the charges. He says, I find no guilt uh, in this man. Um, so how, how did we get here? The religious leaders uh, devised these three charges, okay? Of misleading the nation, uh, of for, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, uh, and to saying uh, that he is a king. The second charge that that, they weren't, that he was forbidding uh, giving tri- tribute to Caesar uh, goes contrary to what Jesus himself had said in Luke chapter 20 when he was asked about giving taxes. Uh, you probably remember the story uh, that he asked for a coin and he said whose inscription uh, is on this coin and they said Caesar's and so he said render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, so that he, uh, he, th- this is just an outright lie by these religious leaders in order to get Pilate to take action. We don't find that his accusers had any kind of uh, evidence, they, they presented no facts, uh, but they're trying to get what they want just by loud pronouncements and pressure. The dialogue between Jesus and um, Pontius Pilate uh, is kind of an interesting one. What does Pilate mean when he said, are you the king of the Jews? Was he saying, uh, are you this Christ who the Jews are waiting for? In other words, he he was asking a a theological question uh, and he was after information. And I think that that's a valid way to look uh, at what Jesus said, but it's not the only way to look uh, at what's going on here. Uh, Did Pilate mean that or did he mean are you coming against Caesar by claiming to be a king? That would be a political question, and Pilate is looking for intention. What is your intention of calling yourself uh, a king? Pilate's concern is, is this person a threat uh, to those who are in power uh, like myself? Um, in, in either case, uh, the response of Jesus to, to what Pilate says uh, is ambiguous at best and it's a non-answer uh, at worst, I guess you could say. Uh, depending on your translation, uh, your translation may say something like this because they're adding words to what Jesus said Uh, and it would say something like, it is as you say, which is a yes answer to the question that Pilate is asking. Um, But that's a very accommodating way (laughs) of of making this translation because it seems to be based on assumption rather than on the text. Literally, when when Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? His answer is, you say. So it's not really a yes, but it's also not really a no. Um, and, and so he throws out this ambiguous answer. Um, and, you know, as, as if, if it's a political question, uh, there's a danger in Jesus saying yes. Uh, because then Pilate would assume that Christ was going to do something that would come against Caesar. Uh, But he can't really say no, uh, because that would call into question who he actually is. Uh, And and so he says, you say. In other words, these are your words uh, that are being spoken. Well, apparently, after that exchange, uh, Pilate has has had enough of this uh, and and he pronounces that he finds no guilt uh, in Jesus from his accusers. And like the religious leaders here, uh, we have people who are accusers of Jesus today. Uh, They speak of Jesus and the Gospel and the Bible Uh, not only as being unbelievable unbelievable and ridiculous, uh, but as being evil and immoral. Uh, And that's kind of disconcerting, uh, but it shouldn't be surprising because the Bible itself tells us that there will be people who will call good evil and who will call evil good. These people need to hear the truth because they're swimming in an ocean of darkness um, and when, when uh, we think about what they might need to hear 2nd uh, Corinthians 4 6 comes to mind for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They need that light to shine in their hearts in order to draw them out of that darkness. I don't have enough room to move my papers around here. I like the big pulpits that stand way out there. Okay, so Je- so Pilate's first pr- public pronunciation is that Jesus is, is not guilty. Uh, and then picking up the text again uh, in, ch- in verse 6, it says this. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod heard about him, and when Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he, I'm sorry, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some signs done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. Before this, they had been at enmity with each other. They had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers When Pilate hears that, that Jesus is a Galilean, uh, he takes opportunity uh, to be able to send Jesus away and to get this kind of off his plate by sending him to Herod. Um, and, and again, when you look at their conclusion, neither Herod nor Pilate uh, w- was willing to say that Jesus was guilty. In fact, Herod was glad to be able to see Jesus, uh, even though the chief priests and the scribes were continuing to uh, accuse him. But Herod wants Jesus to perform for him. Uh, he wants to see him do something amazing. Um, and it says here that he, that he talked with him at some length, uh, but Jesus never responds at all to the things that Herod says. Uh, because he doesn't want to give Herod something uh, that he later could boast about, that he found him and made him perform for him. So uh, since Jesus wasn't doing what Herod desired, uh, Herod himself now becomes a mocker, and they treat Jesus with contempt. They dress him like a king. Uh, and we see echoes of the Isaiah 53 passage that we read earlier that here's one who is despised and rejected, one who is oppressed and afflicted um, as, as they're treating him that way and then Herod wants to get rid of this so he sends him back to Pilate uh, and again when, when, when Pilate responds uh, he, he says that there is no guilt in this man. And apparently there was some kind of enmity between Herod and Pilate, uh, but this playing around with the life of Jesus uh, causes them to become friends uh, as they have opportunity to, to, to do that. Um, and though these machinations, all of these things that are taking place here uh, are, are Driving these things by, are presented by men. In the background, there's God accomplishing the purposes for these events. Listen to Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 22 and 23. This is Peter preaching at Pentecost. Uh, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The decrees of God in eternity are not going to be overturned by men no matter what they do. In fact, in this situation, he even takes the sinfulness of men and uses that sinfulness in order to have his decrees fulfilled. Okay, so now we're back with Pilate again, picking up in verse 18. Um, if, if you look at your Bible translation, uh, you may not have a verse 17. Um, and if you have a Bible that has notations uh, it will tell you why that's the case uh, that, that the best manuscripts don't support that reading uh, and so usually it's just left out of the text uh, in, and, and you jump from verse 16 to verse 18 which is, which is why we're doing that. Uh, so picking it up in verse 18 Pilate gives uh, here his third public pronouncement of of Jesus not being good. Um, Not being guilty, I mean. Um, Matthew's gospel tells us that in addition to these three proclamations that he made, uh, that his wife had a dream. Uh, And in in that dream, she told him that he, he should have nothing with Jesus. Matthew also tells us that Pilate knew that they were bringing Jesus because of envy. So he he guessed what their motive was. Um, And believing that he was not a political threat, he wasn't trying to escape, he wasn't trying to see his power, uh, Pilate wants to just put him away to release him, uh, but the Judas, Judas. Uh, Jewish leaders uh, would not not have it. It says uh, in in the text that their voices prevailed uh, and their cry was not just for death but it was for the most ignominious uh, kind of death. Uh, They they demanded a crucifixion because they wanted him shamed uh, as well as dead. And finally uh, Pilate delivers Jesus over to be killed and releases a notorious criminal named Barabbas. You now when we think about the passion uh, of Jesus, uh, it, it brings both sorrow and joy. Uh, it brings us sorrow uh, because it, as Jesus, or as it says of Jesus in Hebrews 12, he despised the shame of the cross, and went through all of that for us. But he carried out the will of the Father because of the joy that was set before him. Uh, And what the religious leaders here see as a great victory uh, is really God working out his great design, those things that uh, came from the deepness of eternity before history even began. Uh, and though we, would have, we will have an eternity to ponder it and to be in the presence of Christ, uh, I don't know if we will ever, e- even through all eternity, be able to understand exactly what Jesus did when he went to the cross to die for our sins and to purchase deliverance for us. Well, where do you fit uh, in this text um, are you like the religious leaders who hated Jesus uh, and who slandered and fabricated lies about him so that you don't have to deal with who he actually is? My, my guess is that there are probably not many people here this morning uh, who are in the, that category, but there may be some. Uh, and if this is where you fit, let me ask you this question. Uh, Have you investigated for yourself uh, who Jesus is and what the Bible teaches? uh, Or have you heard or read something and just adopted that position without without much thought? You know, back in the dark ages when I was doing campus ministry, uh, it was not uncommon uh, for a person that I was talking to to say well, I don't believe the Bible because it's filled with contradictions. Uh, and when the, the question was asked, well, since the Bible is filled with contradictions, why don't you point at me to two or three and, and we could talk about it? Uh, and it was the very rare person who, who could come up with even one uh, contradiction in the Bible because they were just parroting something that they heard or something that they had read. So don't let that be true of you today uh, if you think you're in this category. Uh, We would plead with you uh, to investigate uh, what the Bible says about Christ. Ask God to reveal himself to you because God is more than able uh, to show himself to you. Or are you more like Herod? Herod was curious and even glad uh, that he had the opportunity to see Jesus. However, uh, Herod wanted Jesus on his own terms. Uh, And when Jesus didn't do what Herod wanted, uh, then Herod turned against him Uh, uh, and became a mocker himself. And I wonder, do you ever treat God as if he was the servant and you were the master? that you demand God to perform for you, to do the things that you desire for him to do, uh, rather than be, be submissive to him. And remember, Jesus didn't respond at all uh, to what Herod was asking and, and telling him to do. Uh, and when you are seeking God uh, for, in order for him to perform for you, uh, he will not trifle with you when you try to use him for your own purposes. Or maybe you're like Pilate. Pilate wanted to release Jesus uh, and three times uh, he said he wasn't guilty. Uh, but finally he caved uh, and he, he gave in, uh, he traded uh, political capital uh, for justice and he traded punishment and death for mercy because he was under pressure. And sometimes we can be put under pressure by other people and maybe be tempted to do things that we wouldn't otherwise do, but the pressure becomes too great for us, and finally we give in. And I wonder if that might be true for you, have you been pressured in some way to think that you have to uh, believe uh, in Christ? Or have you disregarded him completely? Well, we've exhausted everyone here uh, except for one, the prisoner Barabbas. Um, what, what What can we know about him? He's a murderer? He's a revolutionary, Uh, he's guilty of insurrection, he was a criminal, uh, probably probably headed for execution, Uh, but what can we say about him? Well, interestingly, his name, Barabbas, means son of the father. Um, And this son of the father uh, was guilty of crimes uh, that were going to lead to death. When the guards come to take him out, they don't say, prepare yourself to die. They say, you've been set free. Jesus, of course, is the true Son of the Father. And the condemnation and death of Jesus as the Son of the Father leads to life for this other Son of the Father in spite of his guilt and sin. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) we are barabbas in this story we are those who have been guilty of sin and were headed for death but the son of the father came and rescued us and his death for us became a, became a substitution for our own death and the life that he gave us was not just this life but the eternal life You and I are like Barabbas. We're we're not like Jesus in this story. Uh, But notice that Jesus here doesn't object to his situation. He's willing to accept being the guilty one. And I wonder if Barabbas ever thought, it's my death that he is dying, and I've been given life and been set free. I wonder if lately you have thought that. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today uh, for grace. Uh, And uh, we only stand before you because your grace has been extended to us. You are always the initiator, uh, and we are the responders. So help us to respond in the power of your Spirit today with understanding. Uh, and with uh, the desire to see our hearts transformed, in Christ's name we pray.